Hello and welcome to another edition of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets show on the Mayo Media Network. I'm not joined by Skylar Hope this week. It is instead Ryan Baroff. Ryan, hello. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. I will uh, I'll do my best to fill Sky's big shoes. Yeah, no, I don't know how big his shoes are, but, you know, they uh, you know, we'll find out that one one week when he comes back. Um, yeah, it, it's such a, it's an event this week where the Scandinavian mixed. It's how would you, do you get excited about this event? Do you do you like the format? Is there anything to it other than just another DP World Tour event for you with some other people in the coverage or how do you approach it? No, and I, I used to just love the Scandinavian Masters, the old yeah. uh, Nordea Masters. That was much easier. Just you bet Pavan, <laughs> you bet Fitz, and, and you kind of move on from there. I mean, I'm all for uh, these sort of events. I, I don't really know how to price them or how to weigh that at all. Obviously, you know, we saw Lynn Grant win by nine last year, so hopefully yeah. it's a little more competitive than that. Um, but, you know, always open to change for sure. Yeah, like I think I think the thing is like I'm a bit like you, like I really enjoyed the Nordea Masters Scandinavian Invitational, so I'm a bit disappointed that's not in the rotation. But by the same token, this is you know it's an innovative event. We've seen uh, Jonathan Caldwell win it in 2021, then Ling Grant, like you said, in 2022. So we've had two results. Uh, we had a couple of like, Alison Hughes, Alice Houston was there um, in 2021 as well. So we had a couple like contend, but generally speaking, it's still been the men that dominated it. Um, when you look at kind of the top 10 and top 20 as a whole outside of Lynn Grant last year. So um, obviously I've been playing on different tees. I think uh, the the men's are sub 7,000 this year, this week. Nearly, is it 6,600 6, 6, this week? And then Something like that, it's short. Yeah, yeah and then the, the, the ladies are off at 6,000. So um, not going to be a driver-heavy course. It's not going to be something where you need to be, to be hitting it long like we did at the Porsche European Open last week. Any thoughts on the European Open last week as a whole? Or, you know, Tom, Tom McKibben in general? Pain. I had Max yeah. Kiefer. I had Ewan Ferguson. So got a place out of Kiefer, full place there. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, especially Sunday, McKibben played amazingly. He just, he didn't hit a bad shot all day. Uh, it seemed like the irons were dialed. But Kiefer, man, he uh, he missed the green with two chips coming down the stretch. He three-putted, I think it was 13. And then he missed a six-footer for Purdy at the last. And, and that was that. So um, always good to see the young guys win. I think we've been on um, McKibben a few times this year. Sky especially has been on him. So yeah. uh, always good to see that. Yeah, look, like I think for, for golf and the DP World Tour in general, it's great to see McKibben win. It wasn't for our bank balances, as we've obviously just mentioned there. But um, yeah, like I had like Armitage was there in the mix, didn't really get going. Julian Brun really had a chance to place on the final day and just ejected. Um, and, you know, we've been in a joint pain of Mike Lorenzo Vera last week, who decided to, to go backwards. And it's been 12 rates. years of pain. It has been, yeah, yeah. It's it's tough. I mean, I think as as friends, we have to interject sometimes and stop us betting these people. So, um, with that said, let's go on then to the Scandinavian mix. We'll look at the top of the board here. Uh, So Alex Norren is eighteen to one, Alexander Bjork eighteen to one, and Lynn Grant eighteen to one, and then it comes into Robert McIntyre twenty twos, Antoine Rosner twenty fives, and Madeline Sagstrom there at thirty to one. Straight away, any thoughts off the top of the board? Do you think it's a case of, you mentioned that we might be uh, overcorrecting on maybe Lynn Grant uh, from last year, but do you think she's obviously, I mean, she's obviously the leading chance for, for the ladies, but do you think she's right out there in terms of, you know, chances to win? I do. I mean, she's been playing great this year. Finally, we saw her over in the States last week or uh, a couple weeks ago for that match play, played great yeah. again. Um, 
yeah, I, you know, I think they're going to correct this by making it a little bit easier for the men. I think when she won last year, Stenson, he got to 15 under, she was 24 under. So I do expect the men to get a little deeper than 15. Um, I can make arguments for a lot of these, these players at the top, you know, she is probably top of the list. I think you have to look at Bjork next, but, um, don't be surprised if Bobby Mack uh, rips one off here. He just seems like he's he's kind of stewing. He's he's due. Um, it's been a little bit inconsistent, but I think he's there. So, yeah, I think the experiment of backing Alexander Bjork in and around the twenty to one mark at the moment is is probably over. Um, I yeah. don't think he's a winner as it is. And when he starts going out to 40, 50 to one, and maybe representing some each value again, then great. But um, certainly when you, you talk about Rob McIntyre, like I, I didn't even consider best him this week, but again, the 22 to one seems a pretty good price when you compare it against some of the others in the market. I mean, Alex Noren's not playing the, I know he's improved slightly on the PJ tour of late, but like, he's not, he's not been playing well all season. I think he's potentially been injured as well. So I know he has to be installed as the favorite, as the home favorite and probably the highest ranked guy, but like it, it doesn't seem like it's an event where he's automatically going to win anything. I agree um, with that. Yeah, he's definitely not healthy. Um, you know, I'm sure he'd love to make a run at this Ryder Cup team. I, I think that ship has sailed, though. Yeah, absolutely. But let's, let's go a bit further down then. So I start here at 35 to 1. It's on Yost Lauten, who I sort of joked earlier that they should have done it without Yost Lauten market. Um, it's probably not that strong in my case, but... I just look at it, and this is a little bit anecdotal in the sense that, like, I've watched Larafa Bauer and Marcel Seam come back this season. It feels like Jus Lauten's going to do the same sort of thing. Um, but behind that is also the fact he's had three third-place finishes already this season. He's had back-to-back top 22 finishes at the KLM and the Porsche European Open. And last week, I sort of looked at Siwoo Kim, and he finished 29th at, the, at Colonial, where he'd never played well in the past. wasn't really a course that he was, you know, great at. And all of a sudden, I thought, well, that that's a really good sign. Like a T29 finish on the course he doesn't like is great. And, and you know, he went on to contend at Memorial. And I feel a little bit the same about Loughton. Like I don't see the European Open being a great event for him at Green Eagle. And the fact that he actually finished, you know, top 22 there was was pretty good. Factor that into the fact that he's also was second going into the weekend here in 2021, obviously at a different golf course. It just feels like the shorter the course, the better for Jos Loughton. And at He's, I mean, he's not even that old. Like he's 37. He just looks like he's 57. Um, but like, I just feel like the way his game is trending, the way that he's um, suited to this golf course. I thought the 35 to one, there was still decent value on someone that I do still believe can win. And that because he got six DP World Tour titles to his name, he's probably one of the winningest players in this field. Yeah, um, I bet him a couple of times this year. He's definitely looked solid, uh, especially with the iron play. I think that's that's kind of always been his staple. Um, it's weird though, you know, his, over the last couple of years, especially this year with the putting, the short game has kind of deserted him. Yeah. Uh, he putted really well last year and the iron play wasn't there until kind of the end of the year. Now the iron play has kind of turned a corner the last few events, but the putting is gone and the short game is gone. So, um, I don't look too much into those stats because again, you know, they're not always accurate, but it is strange to see him struggling so much on and around the greens. Yeah. And, and I think. Like ultimately, I think some people we talk about overcorrectness in terms of market price, but like overcorrectness in terms of players' skill set. Sometimes they work so hard to sort something else out, they desert other factors of their game. And I think Yo Slauson probably thought he could just rely on the short game he'd already had for 20 years on tour, and it just hasn't kept up with him this year. So I'm hoping that does turn around. But I think, I think ultimately in my head, like you know, Jason, I speak to on lots of words. He he sort of said that you know, at a, an event where he's got to go to 20, 25 under, he's probably not going to make the putts that he needs to, but. 
sometimes in my head when the mentality is that because I feel like he's had to work so hard of his irons from long distance because he's not the longest hitter off the tee. Now he's got all that pressure taken away on a you know 65, 600 yard course. He can kind of relax, hit his irons and wedges nicely, and then the kind of putter isn't maybe there's not so much tension involved. I don't know. I don't pretend to to be a goal psychologist, but that's somehow how I justified it to myself. So um, <laughs> I, th- I think that's going to work for me. But I just thought at 35 to one, I thought he was decent value compared to you know maybe the Rosners and and the Alexander Bjorks in the market. And mm-hmm. I think I'm certainly calling on players like Yannick Paul and Jorge Campillo who seem to have kind of called off since they got into Ryder Cup contention, whether that's anything to do with it. Again, not pretending to be a golf psychologist. Uh, next up for me was Julian Bruin, who I mentioned last week, uh, let me down in the, in the final yep. days. Uh, he was right in the mix. And this is a really tenuous link, but like uh, Sven, uh, is it Tumba? Sven, the, the guy that designed this golf course, um, and he's like historically like an absolute legend in, in Swedish golf. I didn't realize how important this guy was. He was actually named the most important person to Swedish golf ever, which when you've got Annika Sorosom and Henry Stenson, I thought was quite surprising. Um, but it came, but he had an ice hockey background as well. So there's plenty of uh, interesting stories and loopholes to go down there or rabbit holes to go down with that. But he also designed uh, another golf course um, that, you know, hosted the Dormy Open on a challenge tour. So this is very tenuous because no one that, that played that well at the Dormy Open is playing this week. But people that have played well at the Dormy Open have also played well at the Importa Challenge uh, in Spain. So Bjorn Hellegren had finished second to Felix Mori in 2021 at the Dormy Open. He then finished 10th at the, the Importa Challenge. Quartero Blanco had won the Dormy Open last year. Um, he was 14th for the Importa Challenge. Freiberhaus, who was second to Quartero Blanco, was third at the Importer Challenge. And then Julian Brun was the man who won the Importer Challenge uh, in 2021. So I just think that little tenuous link, plus the fact that clearly he's playing well. Like, I really liked him going into last week. I thought there was a little bit of hidden form in him. And suddenly you're looking at 15th, 29th and 29th, which really I think could have been kind of like 15th, 10th and 12th. Like, it, it could have easily been a lot easier mm-hmm. than that. I know we can't just give people results, but... Last two starts, fourth and fourteenth in approaches. Um, to me, that that's everything I kind of needed to see. So at fifty to one, going back with Julian Brun. Yeah, I did. I did look there as well. You know what I like about him is is kind of the long term form, right? We know um, he won a couple times on the Euro Pro Tour, made a quick jump up to the Challenge Tour, won a couple times there. Um, I like that he can putt. He's one of the, he's one of the few <laughs> guys that can putt. Uh, he just drives it so badly for me that I yeah I kind of worry about that when you need to make so many birdies. Um, you know, I could see him in the water, could see him in the rough and not giving himself birdie looks. So that was kind of ultimately why I didn't go there, but I certainly see the case for it. Yeah, I'm hoping that the driver thing, because look, Loughton's accurate, but not long. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the players you're going to talk about later, he's having his own battles with the driver. And I'm hoping your point that you'll come on to the fact that you know, it's a shorter golf course and might take the pressure off the driver, just leans into to Julian Brun. So I do trust him, like you say, with the putter to make those those birdies if he gets hot enough off the tee. Um, over to you then for the for the first uh, pick at the Scandinavia mix. And it might not be a surprise for people that follow you uh, on Twitter and, and in your shows, uh, Sebastian Soderberg here at 55 to 1. Well, we needed at least one token suite for this <laughs> event. Uh, and yeah, you know, I think we both feel that he's going to win this year, right? Yeah. I think uh, he's also one of those players on on the verge of of making that top 10 and earning his PGA Tour card. So mm-hmm. he's got quite a bit to play for. Um, 
where were we on him? KLM was that when we were all on him? Yes, he yes. played okay, but just nothing. You know, not one bad round in there. Um, but ninth in Italy, he had a ninth in South Africa. He had a second in in Abu Dhabi um, very early in January. Just feels like he's one of the best players in this field, and to get him at fifty to one, um, he's someone who has won multiple times in fields much better than this. So um, I like his approach game. I like that he can putt. I just feel like he's very well-rounded and I wanted a suite on the card. So, Yeah, look, I think every time I talk about Sebastian Soderberg, I bring up the fact that he beat Roy McIlroy in the playoff and that's just everything that I lose. He probably to. brings it up all the time. Yeah, too, I mean, so. I, I would. Every time I was having a beer, <laughs> I'd bring it up. But like, even when you look at where he won it, like at Crans, it's a lot of short irons yeah. and wedges. I think that's, uh, you know, beneficial to this. And like you say, two-time win on the Challenge Tour as well. Kenya Open. Uh, again, somewhere where you'd probably see a lot of wedges and short irons. So I think that yep. actually the the kind of course fit, as well as you know playing at home, really leans into him. So absolutely understand the Sebastian Soderberg. Next one you're going to have to sell me a little bit on um, because I've just I think I've just gone through enough pain with him at the moment. Like I was convinced that Connor Simon was going to win probably during those couple of COVID seasons, um, but at sixty to one or seventy to one, I think best price now Connor Simon. Uh, give us the reasons why he can win this week. We're going to need him to gain eight strokes putting. Um, <laughs> no, again, I, I think this is the right kind of course for him. Uh, I think um, I think he hits it straight enough when he's playing well. Um, we obviously have seen that he can get offline. Um, I really liked his play over the weekend uh, last week. Shot 66, 68, I think, over the weekend. So he was minus six on the weekend when minus eight won the event. So um, I think, you know, if not for a very slow start, he could have been in contention. Uh, and again, I just think I'm going to pick my spots with him, but I saw enough last year, some signs earlier this year. He's now made um, 15 of 16 cuts, it looks like. So, you know, he's still making cuts. He just hasn't quite spiked. Um, I love that he putted well last week because, again, that's that's usually the one thing that we're missing. Um, he's actually gained strokes putting three of the last four events. So if a little bit of the ball striking comes back and he can maintain that putting, um, he's good enough to win on this tour. I think we all agree with that. Yeah, and I think ultimately sometimes in events like this there's an element of randomness to it and i know they're easy in golf in general right and you know you'll see someone in the top 10 of the best in this week uh, top 10 in the leaderboard this week that just never got considered but i think with people like connor Saibi and and those types of players you're backing the overall talent and the ceiling of them in an event where i think anyone can send them like mark warren was runner up here last year um in in the in the men's leaderboard and you know, Darius Van Drill was fourth and, and players like that. So I think that when you get random players like that spiking, James Morrison was another one I looked at. He was fourth here uh, two years ago. Like, I think these types of players that can just flash and make birdies at any given point, um, I think are, are certainly people to look at. So And, do... and he did win once on the challenge. Though. Yeah. So it's not like he can't do it. Um, and he beat a lot of the guys who are in this field now. Um, so, you know, I'm... I'm hopeful that he can do it at some point. I think also with people like Connor Sign that, you know, we've had these memories of him not being able to get over the line, but I think wasn't it all in kind of like a short space of time where he had chances to win. So I feel like we, we kind mm -hmm. of, we kind of have a negative impact on that when really actually they've almost not had the learning period. So five years down the line, he suddenly wins and then wins again in two years time. There's not really, you know, sometimes it just takes people longer to win and it's simple as that. And, I think we give up on players too easily. I definitely. Yeah, he had back-to-back runner-up finishes last year, so yeah. you know, 
Pain. No, I, think, I, think that, I think that's just what people remember. Like, oh, uh, you know, you couldn't get it done two weeks in a row, so you'll never get it done ever. Like, it's it's sometimes a bit yeah. overreactive, which is, you know, the golf market in general. Yep. Someone did cause me actual pain last week. Um, you're back in on Marcus Armitage at 70 to 1. Uh, other than the bad driver, I absolutely understand why you'd like him this week. Yeah, I mean, he, he fell off a cliff uh, <laughs> for most of the last year. Um, at the end of last year, he kind of turned it around and then he fell off another cliff. But uh, there have been signs, especially with the iron play, which for him is kind of the most important thing. Um, he doesn't really drive it very well, like you said, but he hits it far enough that, yeah. you know, I am hopeful that either A, he's going to club down a little bit here and find some more fairways, or B, he's going to hit it far enough that he's hitting wedges and sand wedges this week and can make enough birdies. But um yeah the iron play was really good the last three weeks he's also gained strokes putting three of the last four events and i think in a field like this in an event like this i'm looking at iron play i'm looking at putting and um you know he won a 54 hole event so i don't know how much you want to count that but i you know he's won uh, it's, it's weird isn't it because like i almost discounted the 54 hole win because it kind of mm-hmm. was out of the blue like he had a fine around 65 then I used it in my own case last week because it just helps back up what you've already kind of explained with him. And actually, when I say like he was poor off the tee again last week, like there was actually his best off the tee performance for like four or five like tournaments as well. So maybe it's just trending in the right direction. And then, as we say, he's taking yeah. the pressure off the shorter golf course. That could only play into his hands, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I look back a little bit. I don't know if there's anything to this. He, he seems to play really well in the summer. Uh, every year he kind of finds something halfway through the year. And like, if you do look back at 2021 and that streak where he had a 10th, a fourth and eighth, and then he won, uh, the stats are pretty similar with, you know, very solid approach play, a few good putting weeks in a row. Um, still couldn't hit a fairway back then either. Um, so I'm just hoping that it all lines up again. I wonder if there's something to that in the sense, and like, if you spoke to these people, you probably hear it like English players, basically lose the chance to practice for mm-hmm. three, four, five months a year over the winter. Like we just once kind of October, November kicks in, you're you're not getting any reliable practice, it's either terrible rain or whatever. And just like I remember speaking to Chris Paisley about this on the podcast three or four years ago and he'd won um in South Africa. And it was because he like moved out to Florida and was practicing all the way through and and playing in these local tournaments mm-hmm. in Florida that really helped him. And I suppose Dale Whitner when he was the same and all of a sudden he's become a lot better golfer and like he's got this kind of winter practice plays in Florida. There's got to be something to that that's beneficial to the people that just have to hang up their clubs for two or three months or just practice through absolute hell. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of the decision making process for these guys, the guys who choose to stay in Europe, right. Versus the guys who move to Florida. And I think it's a, it's a lifestyle choice, but it definitely makes sense. Yeah, I think like, I don't. I look at Marcus Armitage and it doesn't strike me as the type of person that's going to move out to America anytime soon for the benefit of his own game. Um, but sometimes people should do it. So um, yeah, something to consider and something to look at uh, as we look at English players. Before we come into some, kind of some of our longer shots, I just want to shout out to our audio listeners, uh, to those that listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else they get their podcasts. Um, you can listen to us on DP World Tour Picks and Bets on Mayo Media Network, The Mix. Uh, rate review and subscribe on there for us uh, it goes a long way to helping us and we absolutely love the support we love the comments we get on youtube everything like that all good it keeps us coming back and we really do appreciate all the feedback especially the ones that help us that the ones that people want to hear the people that you know you don't have to say nice things sometimes the constructive criticism is just well received as well so really do appreciate those coming in and keep it up um 
I'm just looking further down the board, uh, right? Like this guy is someone that I was tempted to go with. His price has come in a little bit since we were kind of talking about him this morning. Um, but give me a reason as to why, or the reasons why you're going back in on the the, the talented Dane John Axelson this week, who is now 80 to one. Yeah, you know, wasn't uh, in full disclosure, wasn't someone who's really been on on my radar much. Um, yeah. I know that he was a force on the Nordic Golf League, right? And that that kind of brings me here. Uh, but also, I was just just very impressed by what he did at at, at Key School. Uh, he started off with a slow round, still got through in ninth place. And we've just seen those guys just crush this year, right? Uh, I, I got a win from Forstrom. You got a win from Basham, who was right there. Uh, Daniel Brown has like made every single cut. Um, Axelson is up there. Uh, Seam uh, was there. Bradford. So I just think you're uh, even Andrew Wilson. And I think we yeah. talked about him on uh, one of the previous pods. Don't know much about him, but that form has certainly carried over a bit. Um, yeah. And I know Coley was on him a couple of weeks ago. This guy's been on him numerous times. Uh, he drives it well. He putts well. I just think he's good. <laughs> and uh, DraftKings had a 130 this morning, which is obviously not there anymore. But that was just a number that stood out to me. I think the things people worry about with so I think Axelson was something ridiculous, like four final four hundred, five hundred to one when, when Ben Coley was on him uh the yeah. KLM open and people suddenly get this kind of sticker shock where they don't want to bet them anymore. But you have to kind of go with what's happened. So even before he had that twelfth place finish uh, where Ben was on, he'd finished uh thirty eighth at Sadal Open, final round sixty seven, backs up the twelfth place finish with final round sixty six. And then last week, he's the 54-hole leader. And, okay, admittedly, he has problems on the final day and, and shoots a 75. But all of a sudden, you've just got someone who's got a really good learning process. And yeah. people, I think people just almost embarrassed that they've missed out on, on the odds and stuff. And they're just sometimes you have to get over that. Like, the, the way he's, he's hitting the ball, tee to green, approach, everything is great, streaky putter. I think just, like, this is definitely a little bit anecdotal, but, like, Danish players are really playing well like they're really coming to the floor yeah and, you know i think they're bolstered by you know the hoygaard twins and what they've done they're bolstered by you know long-term you know Olison, and and bjorn and people like that so we're getting a real influx hella killed as they're playing really well so i think we're getting a real influx of really strong danish players we're in you know scandinavia which is only a bonus for them so i think that's a great thing to uh, put together i think lucas beauregard made a cut last week <laughs> there you go i mean Fine. If he's out, then we're uh, then we're good, aren't we? I think that's uh, yeah. surprising me. You make a cut and then don't come to an event like this where it's probably uh, beneficial to you. But he's uh, gone, man. He's he's off the cliff, unfortunately. What well, once beat Tiger Woods in the match play, didn't he? Another another. Uh, hey, we saw Pavan come back, so maybe he can come back too. Yeah, Manasera and Pavan the last two weeks. Uh, it's yep. going to be an all Italian. Guido Migliozzi suddenly out of the Ryder Cup and and in <laughs> those two guys. So uh, definitely interested. One that we've agreed on this week and and i was really pleased to see that you're on him as well as as well as me um matthew baldwin is 100 to 1 i'll let you make the case for him and then i will just add in any bits you didn't add i mean the dude just won by eight shots uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's playing well um but no i mean we saw him i was just last summer that he came over from the challenge tour and you know was like a top 10 um, machine for a while uh, went back to the Challenge Tour, was the top five machine, and then he finally got that win this year. But um, just seems to do a lot of things well. Uh, he drives it pretty straight, hits his irons really well. Uh, he's also won a couple times on the Challenge Tour, which I like to see. But um, yeah, three straight cuts. Uh, he didn't have a great finish last week, but um, 
I saw enough in the approach game that uh, I'm willing to go there at 100 to one. Yeah, I mean, as you say, like I think it was a seven shot win in South Africa and then backs up with a 30 second place finish, which I thought was really, really solid. Had those couple of missed cuts where you thought, OK, maybe that's the end of his kind of run. And all of a sudden, again, comes back with a 26th at the Italian Open, where he was actually eighth going into the, the weekend, which is really strong. Uh, gets better every round at the KLM Open to finish 21st. And then the very opposite last week, where he was fifth going into the weekend and shot yeah. an 80, 75 over the weekend. The only thing I would say about that, and obviously the concern with people will be like, okay, he's thrown it away over the weekend. He's he's not going to be in the best mindset or his game's gone or abandoned, whatever. But it's just a course that's full of water. It demands an awful lot of the tee. I can almost forgive people that. So I'm not too concerned yeah. when it comes to, to Matthew Baldwin. Yeah, and I think, you know, you can always poke holes in guys who are triple digits. Uh, and that's why he's triple digits. But I saw enough of the consistency last year where, I, I mean, it was, what, a three or four month, span where he was like in the top 10 or top 20 every single week both tours so yeah exactly that and and ultimately the the, the real tenuous link that i made uh this week so uh sven zumba who designed the course i mentioned this as well um you know, you know designed the course that hosted the dormy open and a lot of people that play well there had played like the importer challenge that's where brun won and that's what led me to that but going back to that dormy um open event Baldwin was 12th and 18th on another Sven Tumbler course. So whether that means anything, I mean, I think it's a slightly longer golf course than this one, but it's, you know, it's in Sweden. It's by the same designer. I think you always, we always see these kind of designer links. doesn't matter how tenuous they are, um, you know, they are to be looked at. And for me, when you've got something you can add to a hundred to one shot, I think you throw that in the mix. I agree. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Now we just have to pray that the uh, women don't dominate on a 5,500-yard golf course. <laughs> yeah, and that, that, is a, that is always a risk, right? That we could we could be sitting here and have a full card of uh, of men's golfers, and then all of a sudden someone from the ladies comes and wins. But I am gonna just let that happen if it happens. But the final pick for me was uh, Santiago Tarrio or Santiago Ben Tarrio, depending on how he's listed on your book. Um, but just like Joost Lauten, I think he's just going to be someone that's going to really benefit from this shorter golf course. Like he is someone that that relies on short irons and wedges. He is streaky with the putter, streaky in both ways. He can get terrible with it as well. Um, but he was fourth in this event last year. And again, like he was 20th last week uh, on Green Eagle, which I don't think is a, you know, very similar to what I said about Siwoo Kim and Joost Lauten earlier. Like and a, a finish of 20th last week for me, uh, for Tario is really impressive. And then when you look at the fact that he was actually fifth at the halfway stage, um, it really does feel like he's he's got something to uh, to go with this week. And he's made three of his last five cuts. He's had a 16th place finish at the Italian Open, which gave him two top 20s in that span as well. So I really think Tario has got, <laughs> I said to you like before we come on, like a, I think he's got the tools to win. I just don't know yet how good he is. I think like there's, we're going to find out in the next... Because if he goes another season right and he doesn't do anything, then all of a sudden like he was a good challenge tour player that got hot and got his card. Um, if he then wins or whatever, does in the next you know, four, five, six months, all of a sudden we could have a play on our hands. Yeah, I agree. And I've, I've, I've bet him quite a bit. Uh, again, I, I do like the guys who have won multiple times on the challenge tour, which he did back in 2021. You know, I certainly like to see that. Just from, you know, shot tracking him, 
the dude drives it all over the place. Uh, <laughs> he will he will find water that I'm not sure exists. You know, I I like the iron play. He makes plenty of birdies, but just makes so many bogeys and doubles. It's just super frustrating. Um, I hope he wins. I hope he plays well, but I'm not there this week. Yeah, is it just a case of fatigue with him that you you've just kind of given up, or is it just you just didn't like what he's overall done this season? Yeah, I think just fatigue. Like I can make an argument for or against him any week. You know, yeah. uh, I think with fatigue, it's uh, more like MLV, who I've bet now two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row. Like <laughs> that is just I'm just done with it. Um, but I do think Tario will win at some point. I do. Yeah, and look, I just I just you know think this this I want to go of course. As I say, it's playing 6,800 yards. It's it's beneficial, but like you said, they are running through the, the lake owner, I think, runs through every single hole. So Jack Nicholas talks about the fact he didn't want to actually touch anything. He just wanted to maybe make it strategic that they can find that water. Yeah. So I'm sure Tario can find that water if Jack Nicholas has set him up to do so, <laughs> or Jack Nicholas's team. Um, and was there any other long shots that kind of quit? I know that's kind of our official picks done, but was there anyone else that you kind of looked at at the end of the board where you thought you could sneak them in? Not really, but since we mentioned the women, uh, again, I am not an expert in a latest yeah. European tour golf, but there is a Swedish golfer, Lisa Peterson, who won last week. Uh, uh, sorry, probably Lisa Peterson, uh, who won last week. She's 175 to one. So, like, if you were trying to be speculative and grab some places on someone who just won and is playing at home, that might be something that I looked at. Um, but uh, I did not see anybody else down there. Yeah, no, so, so to add to that, like I messaged uh, Jason and Brad in our group chat for Lost Words yesterday, and um, she used to be a member of this golf course. So she used to be a member of this golf course, and she still lives and plays about 15 minutes away from the golf course. She just won in Sweden last week, so she's yeah. in form in the country. Um, my only concern with her was like, it was like a, almost like a performance out of nowhere. Like she wasn't showing a lot of form leading into it so i think it's just one of those ones where like did she just get hot for one or two days but i mean that can transpire into something else and, and as you say if we're not if we're not an expert in the area and, and don't know these golfers deeply then look for the ones that have, have put in a strong performance recently yeah i mean she's 175 to one so if you want to throw a few bucks at it but uh yeah i mean i would not be surprised if the top three went like lynn grant alex norton alex bjork and we just waste our time <laughs> yeah, that that is the concern that like, we are here. I think just a couple of other uh, ladies uh, players. So there was Clara Davison Splikova, who was 17th, second, and fourth her last three starts. Um, that was obviously pretty impressive. Um, Anna Palaez Trevino has been eighth, 28th, and second her last three starts. So again, just in good form. And then I guess it's like. Madeline Sackstrom, I guess, is, is the next mm -hmm. one you, you kind of got to talk about, 17th, 10th, and 13th, and that was all on the LPGA, which I think is, you know, we talk about this all the time between PJ and DP World Tour form, like, I guess that kind of counts on the LPGA and, and LET as well. Yeah, and I mean, she was someone a year or two ago, we were betting her, you know, at majors and at, at you know, 40 to 1, 30 to 1 in a lot of places. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think there's, there's multiple ways to play it. I I haven't done it because I think like you, we, we got such a such a stark difference last year. And I think they kind of tried to set out the, uh, one of the ladies would win it that maybe they do just sort of even it out. But um, if you're looking, to, you know, you can bet on these kind of like ladies only markets. There's a couple of names there that I think, um, you know, we can speak to. Yep. Uh, Ryan, I will let you uh, evaluate your summarize your card and then I'll come on to mine as well. All right, we got Soderberg at 50, Seam uh, probably still around 60, 
Armitage, 66. Uh, Axelson, who's down to 80, but we got a lucky number there at 130. And then uh, our final pick, Matthew Baldwin, who we both have at 100 to 1. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And for me, it's Joost Lauten at 35 to 1. Julian Brun for a second week of pain at 50 to 1. Um, I am going to join you and Matthew Baldwin, as I said earlier, 100 to 1. Santiago Tarrio, 130 to 1. I do think Lisa Peterson might just have to be back just because what we just said. Like, I don't, th- I don't think yeah, we have to do it. I think we have <laughs> to do it. So um, she's as big as 300 to 1. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I saw 175 here, but I will. I'm gonna find places wherever it is. So. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if you if you look on the uh, the grids, you can you can see some bigger <laughs> odds. But um, yeah, Brian, thank you as ever. Um, great to have you filling in. Uh, Sky should be back next week. I don't know necessarily what we are doing uh, for the US Open next week. Whether we're going to do a European standpoint or whatever. But make sure to check out Ryan's content and tips for next week. And uh, thank you as ever for joining. Thanks for having me, Tom. Looking forward to it. Take care, buddy. Yeah.